All right, guys. Uh, before we start this intro, um, me and Josh have been on vacation. We were over in uh, the Midwest. We went to Chicago and Wisconsin. Um, so I have an intern. We have an intern. And he decided to leave us uh, just a sweet little uh, intro so that it can kind of help us get back into the groove since it's been so long since we've recorded. Uh, so I'll let the intern take it away. Hello, and welcome back to the We Should Talk More podcast. This is the podcast where two lifelong friends, who don't have much in common, try and get a little bit closer. My name is Kami 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 Joseph. But you can call me Michael. I was recently hired as John's intern for his various projects, and also for sex. Today we are joined by John Alsotte, my very handsome and sexy master. Oh boy, he's so very hot, 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 hot. Sorry about that, got a wee bit carried away. But John is a filmmaker, a writer, a painter, and was recently featured on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Good for him. To the left of him, we have Josh Coronel. How are you doing today, Josh? That's great. To be polite, I didn't want your life story. Please stop interrupting. Recently, Josh went on a podcast to talk about getting fired. Ha 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 ha. Good night. That got a wee bit cat. That was it. Thank you, Michael, for that beautiful intro that you prepared for us. Wow, everyone's out here to get me. Mike, listen, Mike. Michael had a lot of issues with you, but that's neither here nor there. Um, welcome That's back. out of your pocket, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, but welcome back to the We Should Talk More podcast. Um, Michael already took it away, our intern, but uh, it's the podcast where two lifelong friends who don't have much in common try and get a little bit closer. And my name is Josh. This That's, is my intern, John. <laughs> That's great. Um, How are you today? We've been introduced, so we can just cut, How are you cut today? into it. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. I just needed to be asked. <laughs> I needed the redeeming. Oh, so you only moment. you only ask to be asked. Only to be asked. Interesting. Anyways, um, we have been off for a little bit. It's good to be back, back, back to the routine of recording every Tuesday. In, uh, I don't know where we're at. Well, to the listeners, we never left. That's true. To the listeners, same thing every week. <laughs> Um, content just keeps on coming. It does. We haven't stopped. We have taken a vacation, but you continue to have content to consume. Mm-hmm. Um, and today we're continuing Josh's career story. A very interesting story. Some might call it a saga, perhaps. Some might perhaps call it a saga. <laughs> <laughs> I like that word. <laughs> Um, and we, I guess if you have been listening or if you haven't been listening, there was an episode that Josh did about getting fired from his job over at Wisconsin. Um, coming from there, he, he went back to Jersey, um, and tell us about what you were doing. Yeah. So when I came back to New Jersey, I actually did not have anything lined up. Mm Mm-hmm. I did move in to rent an apartment with a good buddy of mine at the time. And I 
didn't know what was next. I was not interested to go back into the biomedical engineering field, which is where I have my credentials. That's where I uh, graduated with in college. Now, at this point, I'm looking to get a little bit more into programming. My interest has been programming uh, just from classes I took back in college, and I wanted to find an opportunity to be able to break into that. So I decided to do a data science boot camp. But one thing that is important to really think about here is do I really have the money to do this? Mm -hmm. I just got <laughs> fired from a job. I made money from that job. Now I don't have a source of income and I am still paying bills. So how will I pay for this? So looking at how much money I had at the time of leaving Epic, I had about $16,000 accessible to me, liquidable cash. Um, so that could sustain across about eight months but then you think how are you how are you doing that just based on like how much you had to pay for rent like how did yeah. you get to that get an approximate about how much it would be to pay monthly or what my monthly budget would be mm -hmm. so that was about like two thousand five hundred dollars mm -hmm. um if you do the math eight months is actually um two thousand dollars so i was be i'm generous with saying eight months um but around the time when I was living in Wisconsin, I was really only paying $2,000. It does look like my uh, expenditure did go up or my budget did go up after I moved back to New Jersey when I'm not working. <laughs> so convenient. So now with what I expected my budget to be around that time was about $2,000 in eight months to go out uh, before I would be completely cashless. Yeah. So... At this point, I wasn't really too clear as to where I was going to get cash. So when I think about when I took their biggest risk, this was probably the biggest risk. Mm -hmm. Signing up for the boot camp to do my certification and get training to get a career in data while, science. While you still had no income. While I still had no income. Um, so that is... Personally, looking back at the past year, the biggest risk I probably have ever taken. So at this point, that boot camp was to be $10,000. And I, if you think about that now, that's $10,000 less of $16,000 that might start coming out my pocket. Mm -hmm. I was financing it, so I was only spent paying a small chunk of that at the time of actually going through the classes and planning to pay like maybe $200, $500 a month after the boot camp ended. Now, keep in mind, too, I have yet to mention is I got fired, so I was eligible to apply for unemployment benefits. Now, unemployment benefits at this time were great. We were looking at an additional $600 from the federal unemployment and then the 600 that I would just get from New Jersey. So that's about $12,000 a week. $12,000 a week is looking at like close to $5,000 in a month, which is more than what most people are making anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so actually, there wasn't too much to be worried about. And that's why I rationalized doing the boot camp at that time. Now, looking back at it, I did not ever get that unemployment up until October or November mm -hmm. when what? I applied in April. What? Oh, yeah. I was going to ask, like, when you uh, decided to do the 
boot camp then? Like wh- where in the timeline, when did you start that? So I applied for unemployment at the end of April, mm-hmm. maybe the week or two after I got fired. And I signed up for the boot camp to start in the beginning of June. So that must have been somewhere in the middle of May I made that decision or towards the beginning of May. So I already have applied for unemployment, expecting unemployment money to come in. At this point, I had no expectation that it would take five to six months. I think it was about four to five months before unemployment finally came in. Uh, I had no expectations that it would take that long, but it did. Um, So when I saw that it was to be drawn out that long, I had to seriously consider, well, what am I going to do for money? Because my cash was definitely running low. Um, realistically, when I looked back at it, if unemployment didn't come in uh, and I didn't take a new job, I wouldn't have had money probably around like November is when I would like be at net zero. So I was really not too stressed at the time in terms of like rushing into a new job, but an opportunity came my way. Our good friend, friend of the show. You know who I'm talking about? Alex Lago. His mother, friend of the show. Also friend of the show. Mrs. Lago. Uh, She works at our previous high school. And there was a job opening. Decided that that job opening did fall into the experience that I have. Technical knowledge. Computer science and engineering. That it might be of interest to try. So, um, there was a need for, uh, engineering and computer science teacher. And I decided to, uh, submit my cover letter and resume within like two to three days. I had a job offer. (laughs) So there I am now with no teach. Oh, I guess important context here. Um, for those who aren't familiar, we went to a private high school and given that it was a private high school, you don't need teaching certifications. Oh Yeah. Yeah. So it's like realistically at a at other schools, it probably wouldn't be as easy to, to get a job offer. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. So that that's always uh, like an issue. Like you look across like state schools. Th- one of the hardest things is for uh, schools to be able to source talent mm. because there's not there's certain states that don't have enough people who are getting enough teachers getting certified to work at a school. So it's hard to really come by, like, filling a lot of empty roles. Um, anyway, so there was a need at Roosevelt Catholic, and so I filled that need, and I uh, took on that responsibility. Now, I guess, what do I want to, like, start with? Well, with the contract, you have the option to do a 12-month uh, period for pay or 10 months. Because teachers don't teach over the summer. Some choose to get, uh, they, some people still want to have money coming in over the summer. I think it's a much better decision to always do the 10 months because you just get more money up front. While somebody who is more emotional with their money or are uh, weak to see like, oh, high numbers means I'm av- yeah, I have the availability to spend more. Uh, can be a vice, but having more money is just more uh, capabilities early on to save and like put money away where it can grow. So I chose the 10 months and 
So I just wanted to put that as like additional context here. And I don't know where I wanted to start. So let me pull up my notes real quick, unless you have any questions while I pause. Um, did you have any previous teaching experience that you think was useful for the job? Or do you think you really had nothing like meaningful going in? <laughs> um, I guess you can say I did, but not teaching experience or not to nearly the broad scope that you would need for a teaching job because there's so much more than teaching. What I've done in the past was work as what was called a supplemental instruction peer in college. And this was weekly sessions with students who were needing extra help in their math classes, specifically like algebra to calculus. And they would come in weekly for an hour or so where they can come in with homework questions and we can review it together, just concepts that they need help with and we can go over some examples. So it's just supplemental uh, assistance after having like their weekly classes. And it was perhaps a little more where like, it's also just assistance with college overall if they need some college advice. So it served as like a mentor type of role in addition to helping out with math. But that was the extent of my teaching experience, which isn't extensive. It's not extensive when it comes to teaching in school. And yeah. I'm going to get into that because <clears throat> the responsibilities of teaching are a lot more than what people tend to think. What are they? <clears throat> Great question. How did you come up with that one? Um, dead air. So wow. the responsibilities are... You have to prepare for lessons. You have to be prepared to prepare for lessons. <laughs> like 45 uh, minute lessons <coughs> multiple times a day um, for different preps, depending on what you have. So important context here that I didn't add in yet was that I was hired to teach. Well, I did mention computer science and engineering, but also algebra. And then there was a fourth class that was a half a year class engineering that wasn't to be taught until the spring term so i was considered full-time because i had four uh courses you're only doing three but i was only teaching three in the first half of the year so but the challenging part of this was they were three different preps when i say three different preps three different uh course materials that i have to prepare for so that is generally a little more than what you'd expect when, say, you come in as a math teacher and you just teach algebra two. You're teaching the same content uh, for four or five different classes. Far easier to do than it is to uh, teach the same content for three different classes. But I will say, to uh, be fair, somebody who's teaching five different algebra two classes, that's a whole lot more grading. So now you're thinking about grading uh, 20 students times five. You're going through, you give out a test one week, you have 100 papers to grade. Yeah. And 100 is a long, tedious process. You really have to work out a system to be able to get through that efficiently. So that's another huge responsibility right there. Um, a third responsibility is uh, meeting like special needs. There are um, students who have what's called IEPs, 
um, which is a list of things to monitor students with special needs to help assist them with their learning um, through due to like learning disabilities. And so there are times you might have to modify tests for a student. You might have to provide additional time for a student to take a test. There's a ton of different uh, things that they list out on these IEPs that you're supposed to review and be prepared to assist the students with. Otherwise, you're not meeting uh, uh, laws and regulations that was uh, administered by the government. So that's an another thing you're supposed to be trained as before you're even a teacher. Then let me see what's what my oh, like class management too. you're leading a classroom. You have to be uh, ready to divide out the time in the class in a man in a manner that is within the 45 minutes and also maintain the classroom that it doesn't get out of hand mm -hmm. there, there can be behavioral issues fortunately like it's a catholic school so it's not crazy but there there's definitely been like some behavioral issues i've run into and then also uh working with parents you have to be familiar with how to uh facilitate conversations with parents, especially parents that might get a little upset. So be ready to resolve some conflicts because there are plenty that might come your way just because parents get very particular when it comes to the way that you grade their children and they're worried that you might not be fair across the board. So one thing you have to be like very good at when you're a teacher is keeping records of everything that will demonstrate that you're being fair to everyone. So now, that was a lot, but this is me getting hired one week before the school year starts with never having done any of that. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't realize how close it was to when you got hired uh, before the school semester started. Um, did you find it difficult to fit in material for the amount of time that they had for class? I feel like that would be something really hard. Like not like not having an idea of how like the flow of a class would go like teaching like did you feel like you maybe prepared too much or, or too little for like the amount of time? Yeah, that was my anxiety starting, but then it tended to be easy to fill in the forty five minutes, and you find that wow, forty five minutes go by quick. Yeah, just like we realize when we do these podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um. So, but does it? I mean, it goes by quick. But do you feel then that like a lot of time was wasted? Maybe like you couldn't fill in that time, like using doing something more productive or like meaningfully. I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's always looking back at um, a day after like a day of teaching. There's definitely things that I would think, well, that didn't go so well. <laughs> I I could have done a better job explaining that concept. Um. So, I would. I would try to use that and like adjust for the next day and um, be fair and teach better the next day always. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask, I guess before we go too forward, like at, at the start of this, what what were your thoughts about like that career? Like, did you have any intentions? Like, did did you think about it often of like staying there longer or? Uh, was it always like this will just be a temporary thing until you finish your boot camp? So that's exactly what I wanted to get into next. So let's talk about it. Um, one question that I w tried to dig into when I prepared for this uh, podcast is did I want to teach? 
It's an important question. Um, walking into the teaching position, we can see that I preface this with I needed a source of income, but I also liked it because it helped me learn a lot more um, mm. about different things that I did want to professionally develop. I get to de uh, dive deep into course content that was of interest to me, computer science and engineering. It's particularly computer science with me going into data science at this point. So like understanding the fundamentals that might be skimmed over from a uh, certification program that I was working in or working through. And then also public speaking too. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I've definitely have had a lot of anxiety before having to do public speaking for like college classes in the past. And there's, was no better way that I saw than to force myself to have to publicly speak for 45 minutes in front of a class of 20 students at a time. <laughs> so that, that was a huge factor. I thought that might help me out a ton. It probably helped me out measurably, but I don't think it like made a drastic difference. Maybe I'm a little less anxious than I was before. But at some point, you also just get comfortable with the people that you're speaking in front of because you speak in front of them every day. Also, do, do you think it's like easier to like to talk in front of people that are like you're their superior? So like there's like that authority kind of already gives you a little bit of confidence. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, 100 percent. So maybe I didn't like sense that the first couple of days because it was a new job for me and it was something to get used to. But immediately as a teacher i get the same type of feeling that i think you would get if perhaps you're like a police officer driving down the road and people <laughs> are behaving differently yeah. because now you're around yeah so like immediately as a teacher if you're in a classroom students are going to behave differently as soon as you walk out and you know this as a student people start acting stupid yeah yeah as soon as you leave <laughs> yeah um because they always think teachers are out to get you. Yeah. Always think that you're uh, watching them and um, ready to stop them in their tracks with whatever they're doing. Uh, so there's a completely different tone as soon as you walk into a room just as a teacher and a completely different uh, level of respect than you'd get from anyone else. Um, as a teacher, like, I mean, you, you, you get called like Mr. Whatever's your, your last name. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that already like changes the tone of however they approach you and everything in any way that they have conversations with you. Do you think like that respect um, is part of it earned? Like, I guess, given like what, how you establish yourself with, with a class, because like I'm sure like when they don't know you, that there will be like a level of respect. But if they start to see that you might be like more of a laid back guy, then they'd get a little more comfortable. Or if you're a little tougher, then they'll mm -hmm. like realize like, oh, I really have to behave here. Yeah. So I found myself in an interesting space because I was the youngest teacher at the school, um, entering in at 24. And so that immediately gave me a level of respect from the students that they wouldn't get from an older person that they felt like was out of touch with their age. So there was that, but I also was very firm. Mm -hmm. I was a lot more firm than most teachers. Um, even even like the administration would say that like at, talking and working with the administration of the school they 
liked how firm I was in handling the classroom. They're always all about like making sure that uh, students are disciplined and things like that. Well, like I, I kind of am on the fence with like some opinions on that. There is a uh, reason to have a firm uh, handle of a classroom just so like things are moving along in a efficient way and like they're actually uh, caring to learn. I think I was in an interesting space because I was able to have that uh, um, toughness in a classroom while also having a level of respect just because I was closer in age to the students. So they were able to still like gain value from the classroom that they may have not gained if they felt like it was somebody who was out of touch with them. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I see that for sure. I think even like, do you have any young professors in in college? Because I always felt when I had like a younger professor or somebody that, uh, sometimes you have professors who are like, they just have their masters and like they're still in school. Like you, you feel like the knowledge they have is a little more, um, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. It's just interesting because they, they, they also have a sense of like, they're still learning the newest stuff instead of someone who's just like settled into a career for so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's perhaps like the big difference is where as you get older, you take it for granted what you don't, what people don't know. So being at a younger age, you have just learned to learn the same material that the students are learning. Mm -hmm. Honestly, much of the lesson plans I was prepping were materials that I just retaught myself maybe the night before or the week before if I wasn't up, uh, if I was ahead of the curve. So I'm able to learn it quick just because I'm, uh, I've learned this stuff in the past. It's just like refreshing memory sometimes. Sometimes there was new content that I'd never seen in school before. So I had to like think about like, well, if I was to teach myself this, as I just taught myself this, how would I explain it to somebody else? So that I think is a lot more valuable um, than coming from somebody who has learned this and cemented this knowledge 50 years ago. That's an exaggeration perhaps, but like 30 years ago, and now just regurgitating the same content that they've been doing for the past 20 plus years. So I think definitely at that point, like students get a lot more bored and exhausted from a classroom that might come from a sense like that. But yeah, uh, going back into perhaps the question of if I wanted to teach. I think teaching is like a noble profession because of everything that it's requiring and you get such low pay. People who teach. You really have to want to teach. You really have to want to teach. So at this point, when I started teaching, I strongly started considering, do I really want to teach? And there were moments while I was doing it that I genuinely considered it. Given many of the reasons that I just uh, went over, where I'm learning content that I really enjoy, I'm improving my public speaking, and I think there was like one more bullet point that I even uh, put out here to talk about it is the most important one is to uh, possibly like contribute to You're the helping world. people, yeah. You're helping people. You're making an impact that's going to be far beyond your time because this is trickling down to generations. So. Like one thing that I've uh, talked to you about before, and I may have mentioned it on the podcast, I don't think I have, is um, 
something I've read from a book by a author called Tom Rath. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Um, and it's called, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's a short read. It's a less than an hour read. So if you ever have time, pick it up. It's a good one. Talks about his background and how like he's learned based on his struggles, why it's important to contribute to others and not focus so much on yourself. So while I have this, like, uh, I come across sometimes in the podcast and in our conversations that I do things very selfishly and sometimes with the motivation of just getting income or uh, increasing my uh, monetary value. While that holds a lot of truth, um, I strongly consider what contribution I'm making by taking the direction that I'm, I'm doing when making money. So I made the huge sacrifice knowing that I came from a uh, job that paid me a lot more in the past to take a huge pay cut. I was still able to negotiate a good salary just because of the need in the classroom. Um, but it was still a significant pay cut from what I was getting before. So um, at that time, it was a strong consideration. This is, this is something that I might actually want to do. But then there's a lot of things and reasons why you wouldn't want to do this because of the low pay, like the high pressure yep. situation. <clears throat> and then the biggest one that might not be talked about as much is a negative stigma around teaching. This one I half joke about is it lowers your uh, romantic market value. <laughs> and and we, Explain that a bit. Yeah, I will. I've, I've matched with many girls during the time that I was a teacher, right? <laughs> on Hinge, on Tinder, on Bumble. Somehow, sometimes, on occasion, the question would come up, what do you do? So, to be honest and authentic to myself, I would say I'm a high school teacher. After that, 0% <laughs> rate of responses. I've never gotten serious? a response after that. Yeah, I mean, I remember you told me that. I just, I find it so strange because I, I would have thought that it would have the opposite effect. I, I guess depending on who you're talking to. Because mm -hmm. I mean, if, if you're talking to someone who is maybe more interested in someone who's like a baller or whatever, like, then I, I guess if they're that shallow, they would just like cut you off. But uh, there, there is... I mean, I, I, I know you were touching on like the negative stigma. Maybe I view it differently, but I guess there are a few people who view teaching as like a noble profession as well. Mm -hmm. I think, I think maybe it's more so people that are, that know teachers, like my, my sister like taught. Mm -hmm. So like I, you get a different perspective maybe. Cause like you see that and you're like, Oh, you're, you're actually are contributing a lot. So like, I wouldn't ghost you if I was a hot girl on Tinder. <laughs> I mean, you, John. I, that's all I know. It doesn't, need. it doesn't speak for everyone else, I guess. I, I just need someone like John in yeah, my life. You, we have to find each other, the female versions on Tinder. Sure. No, okay. I mean, I'm open to something new. Okay. Um, we can cut that part out. But back, back to the stigma. What, what else do you think? How else? What other reactions were you getting? Perhaps. I mean, I wasn't quite getting too many reactions but it was also just like an internal pressure of mm. like where you stand in like your social status in okay. life because you are doing something that you know isn't paying you as much and it's a lot of pressure so you feel undervalued and that being undervalued is like very demoralizing mm. so there has to be like a huge ambition to really want to teach to be able to get through that 
Um, and I guess like some of the teachers that you met while you were there, did, did you get that vibe from, from any of them? And I, I know like it was our high school. So th- there were a few teachers there that were there when we were there and, mm-hmm. and way before we were there. So like those people that were teaching for so long, did, did you ever have like a conversation like that? No, I never was able to comfortably feel like I can have one of those conversations with anyone there. It was always something that I felt may have been more implicit or unspoken. Um, but then also there's the opposite too, where there's people who have decided to settle in teaching because they like it. Um, and it's a, a secure, it's high job security right there because there's always such a high demand for new teachers. Yeah. There's a high percentage of people. I mean, there's a low percentage of a chance for you to ever get fired. There wasn't like a like tenure or anything that's only like in colleges right like, there is there isn't tenure in high school high school but it's very unlikely yeah. they would te- un, uh, fire After anyone who was for, like for a long time yeah, yeah there for like five plus years yeah. like they've unless they do something that is obscene yeah um and, and and like to to be honest like there is like a lot to be very careful about as a teacher because excuse me you're working with children you're working with youth so there's a lot that they watch out for and you do have a lot of monitoring above you say like you're not supposed to email a student or you're not to email a student after work hours um and if you do then always cc administration just so you always have that as like hey you weren't talking one-on-one with a student you don't want any indication that you uh could have done anything with any students because that will that's those are legal issues those are huge legal issues Especially for you, like they probably wanted to keep an eye on you. Anyways, um, <laughs> there was something I was gonna ask. Man, there was I, I, I a bunch of questions just crossed my mind. Um, one thing, as a former student coming in, because you kind of touched like never having the comfortability with asking, is part of that, or just like through your experience of teaching amongst people that were your teachers, did you ever feel like you escaped like being? Like, did, did you feel like you were still a student when you're talking to a colleague or did it feel like, oh, this is a colleague now instead of my, my teacher? No. <laughs> uh, and and I, I've gotten that question too. I got that question when I was uh, getting interviewed, actually. That was the big one. It's like, well, how, I, I forget how uh, the interviewer asked it, but it was of the line of how will you handle working with people that you may have, considered your superiors so there is definitely like generation gaps there and a what you used to have as like a level of respect and you definitely still sense that like coming in it's like um i I don't really want to like give teacher names uh on the podcast but say mr you can uh, say what their old like role was well, let's just give a fake name, Mr. Okay. Uh, Emerson. Oh, no, I'm just saying so I would know who you're talking about. Like, if, uh, you're, if, oh, you, if okay, you said okay. oh, our old gym teacher, I would kind of know okay, who you're talking about. Okay, our old gym teacher. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I think he was your gym teacher one year, maybe, but he wasn't mine. Oh, that's right. Uh, he's, he's a parent of a former uh, a, cla- a, a classmate of ours. And so it would be very difficult to call him by his first name. Yeah, it just felt so uncomfortable. That's that. That's I was thinking of him especially because mm-hmm. uh, he he went from he's like in uh, 
vice president now or, or something, he, vice principal. He's the vice principal now. Yeah, so like m- much higher authority in the school. And I think mm-hmm. he had that like our last year. So there was a lot of respect mm. given to him. And I even know like not as a not being a teacher, just seeing him as an adult, like still feeling like you meet these people. It's like, oh, I'm back as a freshman, like a scared little kid mm. in front of this like man. But I, I will be honest coming in like first day. Mm. I did want to try to set the tone that I wanted to uh, be equal with everyone. And not, and yeah, like just uh, yeah. discard the so you being a student. One of the yeah. first questions I asked him is, can I call you so-and-so? Yeah. He said, of course. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do think I've like uh, went back to calling him by his last name yeah. uh, on most occasions whenever I interacted with him. And same thing with the principal. There was rarely any occasions i think i ever called the principal by his first name um i know that the there's like three different vice principals at our high school um one of the other vice principals the vice principal of academics she would call him by his uh abbreviated first name uh or like what, what do you call a abbreviated for first name like jonathan instead of i mean john instead of jonathan um, oh yeah just i a guess nickname. a short, a short yeah. name or whatever that people get yeah just a nickname um or a preferred name so he would go, she would always call him by his uh, shortened name. Anyway, so yeah, that that was one thing. That was an interesting question uh, to try to uh, draw back to where we were before. Um, so I think there, I guess last thing we were touching on and just to wrap it up and close the loop was the negative stigma. Um, so there was a huge negative stigma And that was a huge pressure for me to like really consider this as a profession long-term. And I I will be honest, like it was the hardest thing for me to tell people sometimes that I was a high school teacher. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I I, I would prefer to say I was a computer science and engineering teacher and leave it up to their imaginations as to what level. Wow. (laughs) I I never knew that you, uh, you felt that way. I put it on my data naps as computer science or engineer. I think I put computer science teacher. I didn't oh. want to put a, a high school teacher. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I think it immediately, like, like you said, it depends on the person, but it immediately sets a different impression from some people. But like, like, I mean, I'm interesting. I'm interested as to like what other people think too. Yeah, like if yeah. you have any thoughts, like, please let me know. Yeah. Because in the comments, let us know uh, if you're swiping on an app and you see Josh pop up computer science teacher. Hmm. Then you click through his photos. Eh, it's okay. It's okay. Are you swiping on him or not? Uh, and if you see high school teacher, are you more likely oh, or yeah, less likely yeah. to swipe on him? Yeah. So that's the question. Anyway, I, I really don't want that to be the focus or the <laughs> yeah. reason why I would quit a job like this because it, it truly wasn't. There's there's a lot more that went into it. Now another huge question is: Did I qualify? To be a teacher? Did I qualify to be a teacher? <laughs> uh, and that I mean, we talked, we talked about it. Like, I got hired a week before the school year started for three different uh, preps with content that I'm familiar with to some degree, but I'm not familiar with how to teach, and I'm not familiar with what the policies are for a school. I'm not familiar with how to grade. I'm not familiar with how to handle a classroom. Not familiar with how to handle behavioral issues yeah i'm not familiar how to meet special needs for students there is a laundry list of things that i haven't uh gained any qualification from outside of just my technical background and do they offer you any like guidance or help 
during that or are you just like thrown in like let's you, say like first day like you have everyone around you you have everyone around you and it's very easy to go knock on somebody's door and uh, ask for some advice so i know i know i had i had some like sit down time with like the principal on a mm -hmm. few occasions where he was just giving me advice um and that's hard to come by with the principal because he's just such a busy man yeah so he he kindly offered his time on more than one occasion just to sit down and say like hey josh like this is like how i would go about or approach uh, a situation that you're in right now um given that you might not have the experience or uh, know how about to handle a classroom mm. so these are my recommendations and things like that one of the recommendations which is what i did take and i did talk about a little bit is like to be a little more firm starting up because they know you're a new teacher and they tend to, students will tend to take advantage of new teachers mm. because they have this familiarity that oh well they don't quite know what they're doing so it's easier to get away with things yeah um, which which is which is true like they could get away with more with me because i'm not i'm not as familiar with how to like grade consistently i'm not as familiar with how to um teach a class or um any of that stuff so uh like one of the, like the biggest highlights i guess or like biggest thing i wanted to say here is like good intentions really only go so far you have the good intentions of wanting to contribute to the world um positively but they can only go so far without the proper credentials. Oh uh, yeah, that's that's pretty good insight. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to see if I had anything else. Oh yeah, you know what time of um, like any global, uh, perhaps pandemics going on at this time? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Let me know about it. <laughs> This was 2020. You know what? Um, I didn't acknowledge it earlier, but we haven't mentioned that all of this is going on during during COVID at all. This whole episode, but I think like if you've been watching, you you'd know like where we are in like the timeline. But like we didn't mention like uh, you getting this offer during the mm -hmm. pandemic, like starting during the pandemic, and yeah, like you didn't touch on any that, of that. That is true. Like yeah. I I skimmed over it when i mentioned yeah. the unemployment benefit yeah. of like the 600 dollars. yeah like we just mentioned government. it but yeah that was because of covid that wasn't josh wasn't special <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyone who got unemployed during covid got an additional 600 dollars unemployment benefit yeah. um so this was a very difficult time for me yeah uh trying to figure things out not only because of losing a job but it was covid on top of it it's like looking for any other job is like mm -hmm. way harder. It, it was. There's a lot of uh, companies that just weren't hiring at this yeah. time. So, yeah, I, I, I did fail to mention that. And that's definitely like a huge uh, like part of like my decision, because now with being that it's COVID, there's far fewer distractions. And I'm home a lot more that I spent a lot more time wanting to learn. I spent a lot more time. A focus to do things that I wanted to do and like figure what I wanted to do out in my life. So that was like a big motivation as to why I ended up doing the data science boot camp in the first place. Anyway, um, did you want to add anything to that before I uh, jump back into school? Well, were, were you going to touch on, uh, I guess, like the difficulties of teaching? Yep, yep. Yeah. Okay. So let's do that. Yeah. So being that it's COVID, um, you, we couldn't have hundred percent capacity at the school. Um, there was a limited capacity where they broke the student body or like all the students up into three groups, group A, B and C, 
Group A was in the classroom on Monday and Wednesday. Group B would be in the classroom on Tuesday and Thursday. And Group C was always virtual. Any other day that a group isn't in the classroom, they're attending classes from home. So I would have to teach, along with everyone else, for the first time, a hybrid classroom model where you're teaching in front of the camera to students on a uh, virtual call along with teaching students in front of you in the classroom. So there's so many constraints that that adds to teaching. One, just think about uh, something that you might find a little more relatable, teaching uh, for algebra, just trying to use as much real estate on the blackboard. You yeah. can't move outside of what the frame of what your camera can show. <laughs> yeah. Um, then internet would be a huge issue, especially the first month because everyone's getting used to teaching virtually um, for the first time um, in the school building. Think about, well, back in um, March and April. Were the teachers the end, home too or something? Teachers were home, so they figured out their internet issues at home. Um, technology issues were probably huge back then for students, especially as to how can we ensure that all the students have the right technology to be able to attend classes at home. Fortunately, at this time, they were giving students laptops. They were, uh, to be honest, like really shitty laptops. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not easy for students. And I, I felt really bad. And I sympathized with students who um, were working from home because like most students didn't have their own like desktop or uh, at home built uh, computer tower. Some students did because like there's a lot of gamers in high school and things. There's a lot of gamers even in this uh, room. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, so some students were set. Other students, they struggled a lot more because of what they had at home. But but as a teacher, what, what do you think was the most difficult part of that? Being able to connect with students in person and at, um, at home at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. And as an engineering teacher, learning how to teach an engineering class. That is primarily driven from hands-on projects. There was a um, lesson plan or a course that the school purchased that which was called uh, Project Lead the Way, PLTW, which was previously only designed for classes that were in person. Come COVID, um, there's there were a lot of changes. Um, I don't know how people handled it back in March and going forward from there uh, for the rest of that spring to summertime. Um, but they did restructure over the summer where they had um, different ways to accommodate for students that were at home. But it was still like a huge effort to be able to meet that. Um, there were times I would have to ask students who work at worked uh, virtually to come to the school to pick up material just so they can um, participate in projects that we would do in person. Mm. Um, or there would be an asynchronous classroom now where one uh, class, one group would follow one uh, lesson plan and the other group would have to follow a different lesson plan is what an uh, asynchronous yeah. model would be now. So that was like double the load on me to try to like manage that. Mm. That's That was extremely difficult for not knowing even how to uh, teach one lesson plan at a time, now to have to teach two to three lesson plans at one time. Mm. Um, so 
but this was not anything that I was just uh, experiencing. Everyone around me was experiencing a ton of trouble. Um, fellow uh, teachers were running into so many technology issues. Everyone ran into the internet issue. The, there was a uh, a lot of st- schools across like different districts were targeted uh, to uh, DDoS tar- targeted where like mm-hmm. their internet was taken down because um, they found uh, schools to be an easy target because <laughs> they, they had to teach a class. Yeah. And we were 100% dependent on that because you needed the internet connection to be able to teach a class now which was not anything that you could have really interrupted in the past. Classrooms would still be taught whether or not internet was up or down. Um, Now you have to adapt to that. Uh, If a classroom, uh, if a class you couldn't teach virtually uh, one day because the internet went down, you had to figure out, well, what are you going to send out to your students to be able to catch up on what may have been missed? Or what are you going to have to push back? And then what time are you going to have to catch up? Like, just think about us having to catch up on podcasts just because we're going to go on a vacation for mm. one week. We all had to catch up on uh, course material because one day the Internet went down. So you would run into so many struggles just like that. Um, everyone experienced that, though. It wasn't just me. Um, so one thing that I found that I was able to positively contribute while I was there was my technical know-how that many older teachers didn't have. So... Uh, I felt good about that. And like, I was happy to be able to help um, by like going around to uh, other teachers who may have struggled a lot more and being able to like set up a, a conference call or virtual classroom like and other things. Yeah, I think they figured out PowerPoint by now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, that, that was that. Let's see. Let's see what I had as the next talking point, unless you have any questions to bounce off of that. Um, I mean, I was just thinking like all, all of these like negative circumstances, like I know we haven't really got into it yet with you quitting, but if none of these circum, if like this certain circumstance with COVID making it even more difficult, do you think that would have affected your decision at all with like wanting to leave? I I always like a challenge. So being that it was, um, the challenge was just so high or great at this time. I enjoyed it a lot. And and we've talked about this too, of like me just trying to uh, run into a high pressure situations just to thrive through it. Other times I fall, as we can see, I got fired. I sank when I was thrown into a deep end at that point in my life. Um, so it doesn't always work out, but I do think I was able to manage this one well, but I did. I mean, I definitely had tons of hiccups along the way. Um, don't get me wrong. There were definitely like, uh, issues I had and were brought to my attention, even from administration as things like, Oh, Josh, you shouldn't do that. Um, or you should correct the way that you're handling these situations. So, um, it, I don't think that was significantly contributed to my decision to quit at that point. It was an added stressor, but it wasn't the tipping point. Gotcha. So, um now let's enter December. December end of November I've wrapped up my certification and now I'm coming to this point of do I truly want to teach or do I want to take what I've learned from the certification and break into the data practice? And I came to think about 
all the reasons why I would want to quit and all the reasons why I might enjoy it. We talked about many of the reasons um, already, but as to how I was feeling at this time, I was, we, we talk, we do realize it took a lot of my time, it took more of my time than it, than it was just from like the waking up at seven or waking up at six and signing off at two o'clock still had to plan lessons and grade papers that would sometimes go until midnight. So it was, uh, very tight in time and sense uh, intensive and stressful with also like you were also doing the the boot camp so like that was like added like not having time for oh yeah 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 100 percent really anything yeah it was it was a lot to balance at that time i was able to balance it at some point and like manage everything i graduated from the boot camp i was able to finish all my homeworks i was able to finish all my projects and uh do well in the class um but it was very stressful um i did have like a i did start feeling very unhappy during this point in my life um touching on like the points of how demoralizing it is to be a teacher sometimes and also just how stressful the situation is um and i also recognize that i qualify for a much higher paying job so while it's not the motivator for my decision really that is definitely a factor that is going to play into it that money uh I am making a sacrifice to teach to uh, when it comes to what I'm making monetarily. Um, and I was also come December thinking about the timing of things. If I don't quit now, then I'm in it for the long run, at least until the end of the school year, because the holidays are approaching. If I was to quit at this time, it gives the school administration some extra bandwidth or extra uh, leg room to be able to find replacements. Yeah. And if I was to quit in March, then you'd have to hastily go around trying to do something or mm. rather just drop the classes if you really can't replace those, uh, the demand that was needed. Mm. So... It, it became like a ethical issue too, or a moral issue. Um, because one thing is like, I gave them my commitment to teach. I signed my contract to teach for the year. Um, you can always give two no two weeks notice and leave. You Honestly, if you were to up and leave that same day, they wouldn't come after you just because it's such a financial stress and like legal issue that they wouldn't really want to pursue down. But you should strongly consider like the ethics behind it too. Do you really want to ethically leave behind all the students that you've been that you have been the role model and like teaching and making an impact in the classroom? Or do you are you ready to up and go and like say goodbye mm -hmm. and like move on with your life to uh, different things? So I selfishly at this point considered what I needed for myself. It was a big mental strain on me. It was challenging for me. Um, I was not in a happy state uh, being a teacher because of all the uh, stresses that it adds. And so I ultimately decided um, at that point I wasn't going to stick through. We'll talk about like the finance situation uh, in a minute. But come uh, begin December, I give my two weeks notice. My last day was like that last day of school before the holiday. And that's when I uh, was allowed to tell the students I was leaving. Before that, you don't want to tell the students because 
then they won't uh, come try. to classroom. Yeah, they yeah. won't come. They won't try anymore because yeah. they know, like, oh well, Josh is just gonna leave tomorrow. Uh-huh. Um, so that was like ultimately what it came down to. I just left. Um, I did write a few things here, so I don't know if any of them are things I didn't touch on yet, and they're a little more lengthy. So, ask a question or ramble on. I think we can just skip past it. <laughs> Uh, guys, um, I haven't had many dates lately. There's a girl I have a crush on. Uh, we went on a couple dates. I don't think she watches this podcast, but if you are watching, um, I have a crush on you. So. Oh, that's wonderful. Who is it? I'm just rambling. Can, can you give me a 30 second story about this? <laughs> I simply <laughs> don't have time for that. I'm sorry. Oh, wonderful. Um, I guess here I also mentioned how when evaluating my happiness, I felt I would be a lot more happier, like pursuing what I really wanted to pursue at this time. And I made that decision. I didn't want to pursue teaching. So that's to wrap that part up. But also I want to think about now the financial risk that I'm taking because I'm quitting again. Well, not quitting again, but you're going back to leaving unemployed. Yeah. I'm leaving a job with no money, um, no job lined up and no job lined up. And this time, because I'm quitting, you're not eligible yeah you're not eligible for unemployment so where do i stand so i didn't mention this yet but my unemployment might not my unemployment my student loan is paid off i was able to pay that off when unemployment money came in and another great i guess i'll mention it now because i was just about to i was going to save it for later another great thing is uh come around i think it was march or around tax season um Joe Biden becomes president (laughs) (laughs) and he uh, decided that he would sign into law. He became president in November, by the way. He didn't become with the way you framed it. It's like, oh, come come around March. He became president. It's like Josh was denying the election until he he got the until he got the tax. He was inaugurated. (laughs) Um, No, he got inaugurated in January uh, around tax season. I think that it was signed into law that the first ten thousand dollars of unemployment is untaxed. Mm -hmm. So that was great for my bank account being unemployed. So anyway, thank you, Joe Biden. <laughs> Love you. Um, there's no uh, political uh, discussion on this podcast at all. Um, just wanted to add that in as to how it made my life easier, not in terms of any political alignment here. But I, John is I, a great, I like Joe Biden. John is a big Trump supporter. Oh, yeah. just, just to close the conversation there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I did want to like think about like the worst case scenario of my financial situation. So to start with how I started before, uh, my liquidable assets at this time was $24,000. This is cash that I have on hand that I can use. Uh, maybe like $2,000 of debt, so maybe $22,000. Um, but I, when I was looking back at the money, it was uh, not easy for me to uh, look at the trends. But anyway, um, at the time of quitting, my monthly expenses actually was significantly higher given a unfortunate event of my roommate moving out and oh. refusing to pay <laughs> rent. Yeah. So uh, worst case scenario, I would have to pay an additional $1,000 a month to cover his rent expenses because we didn't have a roommate to replace him at the time. I'll tell the story. Go, go for it, but do it, do it in a respectable way. I'm Josh's roommate, and I got Okay, that's that, that mean, that's mean. <laughs> Wait, I'm doing a voice that's not at all like his. 
He really I'm, isn't. I'm Josh's roommate. Oh, you're saying I really isn't? So I was doing his voice just then? It really wasn't like his voice. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm Josh's roommate, and I'm getting moved with my job to insert state name here to not identify this person. <laughs> and, well, uh, I'm not really going to look for somebody. I might look a little bit, maybe put an ad on Facebook, but not really try <laughs> oh Josh, it looks like I gotta leave. <laughs> See ya. And then I fly over and come no- November, December. Ooh, I'm ghosting Josh whenever he asks me for the rent money. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Josh. <laughs> okay, uh, that, this is too much. This is too much. We'll have to cut back a little bit. Um Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely truth to uh your impressions. <laughs> but uh to be fair, um it was a situation that just had to be figured out. Yeah, and he out. well, he also was paying. He like he was paying rent uh, wherever he he moved. I guess right. So like, yeah, he, he probably he, he promised to pay November. Uh, he was late on November, unfortunately, and so I was just thinking, what's the worst case scenario with not getting that back anytime, and also having to pay the months going forward? And how long did you go without having a roommate? <clears throat> um. One month. It was just that month. A month and a half or yeah. so. But like so, at the time of getting fired, you didn't have one. Yeah. So or at the time yeah. of quitting. Yeah. At the time of quitting, I consciously made the decision that I was going to quit knowing that I didn't have a job lined up and knowing that I would might potentially have to carry on the additional $1,000. So with $24,000 in my pocket, um, and having potentially $4,000 a month to pay in expenses, I um, decided that I would invest $8,000 into an ETF index fund to not touch. That leaves me now with $16,000. <laughs> I, I was very Isn't, confident. Wait, 16 what you had uh, when you were fired? No, yeah. So you're, you left yourself with what you had. That's kind of... Yeah. So I went back to what I was when I was fired. Yeah. Um, but now I do have additional expenses. Significant. Yeah. Um, uh, I have additional expenses. So instead of like having eight months of uh, money to spend, I now have only about four months. Wow. Um, but I come in this situation very confident about securing a new job. Um, and I wasn't going to stop at any... Um, I wasn't going to let anything stop me from getting a new job. I was serious and dedicated to break into the data field, coming straight out of the boot camp. Uh, I've worked hard on my project, worked hard on my assignments, and I was really passionate about getting into it. Now, to now really look at what happened, good things happened, bad things happened, uh, but more good than bad. So we did, like we already talked about, had... A new roommate come in December new roommate comes in and he pays for December my ex roommate former roommate covered November eventually um, so now that's totally paid off I don't have to worry about those expenses and the new roommate is staying for the remainder of the lease which is up until the end of April that's correct just want to double check myself um, and then um, Joe Biden became president. We already <laughs> talked about that one. Um, and I chose, and one thing I mentioned earlier was that I chose the 10 uh, 
months to get paid rather than 12 months. I didn't use that, do that intentionally with the idea to quit, but that did significantly help me out because I ended up making more. I ended up making more than would have if I had the 12 months. Mm. So that definitely uh, positively, positively uh, helped my situation out uh, tremendously. Um, And it, but the negative thing that really came out of this was it took a lot longer to get a job than I expected. I was really hoping to turn around and get a new job within like two months. I didn't get a job and start my first day until uh, the first week of April. So that was four months of no money. Four months which that is I gave you, myself. Yeah. Exactly. But you had the roommate. But I had the roommate. So I did have a little more cushion. Mm-hmm to not get a job if i if it came to it um and we also planned a vacation at that time too yeah no. <laughs> um and my stocks were untouched and it went up to about ten thousand dollars so it's it's chilling so i it worked out things worked out um it was a huge risk i quit my job but i did it uh intentionally like looking at my money seeing what was realistic with how long i can go and what i felt confident with in terms of when i can get a job now that confidence was uh more confidence overestimated um than it truly was but it still worked out and i was able to do it within the time frame that i gave myself of the four months to be able to turn out around a job now things could have been worse I know a lot of people um, who enter or leave a boot camp. This is probably the most I talked about the boot camp on the podcast that don't end up getting a job or just quit. So many people um, oh, they, that they I talked to. They don't pursue data science. Yeah, or whatever boot camp that program that they want. Oh, oh they, they quit the boot camp before it finishes. Yeah, one oh. thing that I did when I... Uh, we, maybe we can talk about this as to like the job search itself on one episode. That might be interesting to do. Because I've thought so much about it being in this uh, um, dangerous zone of not having a job that um, one thing that I did was I attended a lot of uh, career service workshops and I connected with a lot of fellow boot campers from various different programs. If I've ever spoke to you on LinkedIn, I've spoke to so many fellow boot campers on LinkedIn. Um, and I would always ask them, like, what is their experience with the boot camp? How did they like it? Um, and what have they gotten out of it? So I've learned through a lot of those conversations that many people have just quit. Um, they made it through the boot camp. They completed all the assignments and uh, projects, but they could never find a job. And that that's kind of the tough reality. If you're not persistent, coming out of a boot camp and like truly want to break into the field or you have other priorities that are distracting you, mm-hmm. people will tend to just stay with their day job. Yeah. And I guess like for, for anything like that, like any like boot camp or even like grad school type thing, like it's not a, a guaranteed thing to get you a job. Like I think I'll, there might be like a, a thought of that, like, like getting any further education or certification. It just like, it, it, it might help you get your foot in the door, but it's not going to like, just get you a job right after. Yeah. There's no guarantee anywhere in their clause that you're going to get a yeah. job. It ends up coming to you. Uh, and it comes to how much time you want to put in. <clears throat> and if you're going to stay persistent throughout it, that's the key part. If you decide that, oh, I'm going to work uh, 10 hours one night and then 
never work again for the rest of the week to work at uh, getting a new job, and it's not going to work out. It clearly, uh, you could work much more than ten hours across the week if you work if you divide that up across uh, the seven days of the week. So, uh, it, it's going to be very important that you remain persistent and don't get demoralized. Because it's easy in those situations where you're seeing that no one else is getting a job around you. A lot of other people are struggling, which I was seeing a lot having networked with so many other fellow boot campers. That why continue if there's no uh, there's no uh, light at the end of the tunnel. So it, it does work out if you like continue at it and you keep trying. Um, and there's many, many, many success stories out there. And that was always. Uh, what kept me at it? Like there were a be- there was a beautiful article. Um, maybe I'll try to uh, source it and like send it to you so we can include it in the show notes. Where this one person coming out of App Academy, which is a program over in San Francisco and New York uh, for web development, he didn't. Um, he he immediately after the program started working for the boot camp where he was uh, uh, working as a TA for the classes. Um, but he was doing that with the intent of continuing to apply for jobs, right? And he secured a few jobs, low income, not low income, but like uh, about median income, about like $60,000. But this is also thinking about San Francisco wages. And then he secured a job with Yelp. Once he secured that job with Yelp, which was uh, breaking six figures, um, all these other companies started coming after him. You can get one offer or a few offers right off the bat. Um, but if you don't have like that job security to help uh, keep you uh, persistent with your job search or at least uh, income security and cushion to keep you persistent with your job search, there's so much that might come out, um, come after after getting your first job offer. There's a trend that you'll see through a, a ton of different stories where People who uh, continue to do job offers um, over a span of like four months or so, the first offer is going to start around like $60,000. It's not going to, but it has started for many people like around like $60,000, then $80,000, $100,000. Then you get something like Yelp, and then you get something like Google, which was the next one that he got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get Airbnb, which previously rejected him coming back saying, oh, actually, this candidate might be worth it. Because now Google is willing to hire him. We might be, uh, we may have uh, let him slip through the cracks. Let's reconsider him. They reconsider him and offer him over $200,000. And now he's at this position of, oh, do I want to go with Google for the title? Because Google's, uh, Google will always, like, if you have Google on your resume, you're set for life. Or will I go with Airbnb, which was a little less known at this time, but uh, getting a lot of seed funding because of being a startup that there might be a good growth here um, and they're paying more. Then he comes back to maybe, maybe he had the higher offer from Google at this time, but I think he went back to Airbnb saying, can I get $250,000, which was like $30,000 more than what he was getting from uh, the other job offer at this time or from the, their last offer that they gave him, which was a huge one. Um, but he was persistent on negotiating because like he's been teaching as a TA to all uh, his mentees the value of negotiation Mm -hmm. and so he came into this position of well like I'm already at such a high salary I just have to now choose between the two 
but he went ahead and negotiated and he was able to secure an even higher offer. So like these stories, reading this, the point of this all is like, I would read these stories. I'll talk to people. I'll network with people. It was demoralizing, but I would read these stories and like, it would be a huge inspiration for me to continue along my journey and like not give up. Um, one other point that I wanted to close off with too was, um, I noticed when talking with a lot of other boot campers was that they, and I mentioned this briefly already, that they would continue on with just their uh, nine to five that they were already working at with their, whatever they did before and eventually fall off the bandwagon of ever considering to break into data science and let the certification go to waste. Um, that could have easily have happened to me if I stayed, if I stayed teaching uh, until the end of the year and not have uh, decided to quit half a year, half halfway through the year, um, I would have been so far gone from the skills that I acquired that it would have been a lot more work to be able to pick it back up mm-hmm. and like continue at the job search. So like in retrospect, I'm really happy I made the decision to quit my job while like I've made huge sacrifices that were selfish. Um, it would have been a huge mental, it would have been a huge Im- negative impact on my like personal happiness. Mm-hmm. It's one thing that is extremely valuable that everyone should, uh, strongly consider is your own mental health and your own happiness. And so like, I'll leave it at that for my story. Uh, and like close it off with that. Oh, that's a, such a cute, cute ending. Thank you. <laughs> all, all men should go to therapy. That's all I have to say. I agree. <laughs> no, but um, that's beautiful. And also, like, even though it can be viewed selfishly, I think you you made the best decision. Also, given like uh, you could have waited like longer and then just like quit on the school, and then that would like screw them over. And uh, you want to, I think, in whatever career you're doing, if if you're not happy, like that'll reflect in the work that you do too. Mm-hmm. So, like, if if you end up becoming like really unhappy in what you're doing, um, you're not really. Like, yes, as a teacher, you can really impact people. But if you're like unhappy, you're not going to impact people as much as you could if you were really like there for that for that reason, you know. So um, and that's you true. saved a lot of students like the pain of having a really shitty teacher. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say um, being a teacher, it was the students that kind of helped like get you through it. Yeah. Um, knowing that you're teaching uh, the generations that are to come. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well. It was grading that did it for me. If it wasn't for the grading, do you want to talk about how you made uh, a couple other people great, great for you? No, I can't talk about that. <laughs> I can't talk about that. Um, oh, do I have to cut that out? Yeah, you will have to actually cut that out. Sorry, guys, I had to cut something out. Uh, accidentally said something I was supposed to, <laughs> but um, a beautiful ending to a beautiful podcast. Listen to Josh's advice. Take risks with reason, but also prioritize your happiness because your happiness will reflect in everything that you do. Um, and yeah, that's, I mean, this is all really interesting and mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that I, I, I really didn't know, uh, stuff that you were thinking about and, uh, experiences that you were going through. Yeah. I'm so happy we were <sighs> able to talk about it. Yeah. I'm so glad we were able to talk more about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm Josh. I'm John. Uh, no outro from the intern. I think he, uh, I think he got fired. 
he, uh, he sure did get fired <laughs> after that one. <laughs> but we, we might have we might have something else. We might have someone else uh, do it for us. Um, if you guys are listening, if you have any any insights on a guest that we can have on, anyone that you think that we should talk to, let us know. We're looking for a guest. Yeah, and you can uh, reach us at shouldtalkmore.com. You can find our contact information yeah. in there. And definitely email us. Yeah, we're we're interviewing for a replacement co-host. Um, anyways. I wonder who it is. My name is John Alzate. And uh, did you already say your name? I did. My name is Josh, but I'll say it again. I love you guys. Yeah, I love you guys. We don't really have anything going on. You know what? We We are going on a date. Did you ask me out yet? Yep. <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> I'll see you guys. I'll, I'll think about it. <laughs>